This episode of Las Chicas del Crime contains explicit content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hola, you are listening to Las Chicas del Crime, a podcast where tres amigas sit down and talk all true crime for Hispanic and American crimes. ¿Quién somos? I'm Osa. I'm Kat. And I'm Jen. Y somos las chicas del crime. Hi, chicas. Hello. Hello, hello. We're back for part two. We're rolling. I'm so excited. I thought, I thought, I thought that I was about to wrap this up on a second. And it's just not because I would this would have been so long. So like the third one is probably gonna be a shorter one, TBH, maybe like a good 30-ish. But I'd rather that than like cram everything and then make this way too long. Yeah, yes. yeah. So but I was and then I as I was like, okay, so it's already not gonna happen on the second. I'm not gonna get to the end. And then I was like, oh, it's so hard to find like a good stopping point and then from when also i think it was also when she yeah when also did her darwin gacy every fucking endpoint was a fucking cliffhanger so i was like i'm trying to find me a good cliffhanger here look <laughs> i'm not trying to toot my horn but not everybody <laughs> could do it like i do this it's okay do your own thing in your own groove yeah well especially i'm just kidding i'm just kidding especially for like because like with the uh i was with the um why was i about to say the hernandez brothers but it's the ramirez brothers because i was thinking you know who i was thinking wait no there's not ramirez's brothers either there's only one ramirez do you mean the melendez brothers god i'm all screwed up (laughs) girl i'm gonna need you to get it together who well, I was thinking brothers. I mean, there are a Hernandez's pair, but when we talk about the Hernandez, it's, it's yeah. not going to be about two. It's going to be about one. one. That's who I oh, was but... thinking. And it's so funny because I saw this TikTok, and I know we don't romanticize killers or whatever. So they were like, "Oh, the sexiest killer," and they have put Eric Menendez, and then they were like, "Psych," and then they put Eric Hernandez. <laughs> and I was gonna send it because I like I would I thought that was funny. I mean, everybody knows I am obsessed with Aaron Hernandez's case. Does him being handsome help? Yes, of course. But I thought it was funny. But I was like, let me not post that in the chicas because that's a little distasteful, and I understand because you know the families of the victims are still here with us. Right. So yeah. <clears throat> we won't so, do yeah. that. But I still thought it was pretty funny. And then the fact that right now you just got all fucked up with those all two last of them names. got fucked up. All of them. Uh, so, like, ah, look at that. But what I was trying to say was with them, I feel like we kind of knew more of like what was coming. So even though like, Jen, you have to split it. I feel like we didn't know details, but we kind of knew like the general, you know, they yeah, you were gonna, abused. Yeah. In the end, they went to court. In the end, they went to jail. Like kind of, you know, prison. What? Here we are, part two of Griselda. Which this... I don't know really much about, so this is really interesting. You know, and today I have a part that I like put in like really big, uh, uh, like semi columns. 
because I'm still not sure if I'm going to talk about it when we get there. Um, oh, so we'll see when we get there it's how we're feeling, you know? Okay. So just a quick recap of what we discussed in part one. Uh, Griselda Blanco was uh, she's from Colombia. Everyone knows who she is, but she was verbally and physically abused at a young age. Ever since she was the age of 11 years old, she started her life in crime after kidnapping and killing another 11 year old boy from a nearby wealthy neighborhood. Up until the point that we left off, she had married three times and had four children. Her first two husbands had been killed by her. And this is how she got the moniker, the black widow. She started in drug. She started drug trafficking, uh, taking over New York, and then transitioned to Miami in the mid '70s. At this point, Griselda was living one of the most lavish and luxurious lives um, among kingpins, drug lords, drug cartels, and just really anyone who had money. She was <clears throat> topping them like it was nothing. All right, boss bitch. Oh. Crrr. Then did you catch your hair? No, it's just the curl pattern's getting a lot uh, shorter, a lot, a lot tighter. So it looks okay. shorter. I'm I, ch- like I changed it. my products. I like it, sis. Thanks, girl. Thanks, girl. I'll link you to the products. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. Yeah, that caught me on my track there because they look good. Hey. Um... Trying, so she know. she lived the most luxurious and lavish and luxurious life that anyone could live. She had a fleet of cars, many were exotic. She had a penthouse in Biscayne Bay, a mansion Ooh. in Miami Beach. Uh, she had multiple properties in Miami and in the United States. She had managed to bring herself to a level of power that was untouched. Yes, there were many others who were also pushing, selling, smuggling, trafficking whatever you know drugs and cocaine but nobody was breaking the bank like griselda was at her prime she was supposedly bringing in 80 million dollars a month wow 80 million a month a month of fucking uh cocaine 80 million a month Baby, I just need one eighty million. One time in life, one time in my life, one eighty million, oh, and I'm. That <laughs> overwhelmed me so much. My eyes watered. <laughs> a month, eighty like, million a month, not a bro. year, dog. I mean, granted, in drugs, yeah, that money comes back quick, but eighty yeah. million a month. Her, is she, and, I mean, whoever's yes no, left behind got mad money still. I mean, and, and at this point, like, we're, like, tripping over 80 now. And then, like, even then, it was so much more. It was worth so much more. Yeah. 80 and million even, is probably, like, be you know, said, drug money. <clears throat> drug money brings that kind of, you know, money. But there's a lot of drug dealers who don't, t- don't touch that type of money. So that's just, like, in another world, drug yeah. dealing top of money like you know what i'm saying there's not there's drug dealers that don't even touch a meal you know what i'm saying they don't know how to move or whatever oh, yeah. for whatever mm-hmm. reason don't sell drugs guys just that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying there's a lot of drug dealers that don't even there's touch levels to this shit yeah yeah jail in prison that never touched that type of money not even like Absolutely. one quarter of what she touched and you're talking about 80 mil 80 mil 
a month. Like a that, month? like at that point, how are you counting that money? Because she can't keep that in in really in in bank accounts like that unless Honestly. it's like you know overseas Honestly. bank accounts. Like exactly how are you? How, how are you? You're waiting money like the, it's a lot of money that's coming in. You're just waiting it because how are you counting that money at that time? Yeah. Like I know now there's the little, you know, the little the machines think things yeah but i don't know if they were up at that time but i'm thinking like maybe not so like you just not counting money like you just not like that's yeah. crazy so because okay I, I think i touch it in like next uh paragraph but i'm just saying now because because it was so much physical money yes there is actual like institutions that were having to be built to store the money because the it's, money, right. it's so much of it. And not only here in the United States, but I can't think right now of what's the Central American country because I didn't like, I didn't like read it over too much. Um, but it was a Central American country where even the president was like in on it because he was just allowing these uh, accounts to they were I, I think they didn't even have accounts. It was more like, I'm going to send money that. somewhere. Here's my money. Put it somewhere yeah. in your bank for me. And he was, he got a cut and he did it. And right. just like banks Either. blew up here, they blew up in that country. Like literally banks were in every corner. Either you, know you keep it safe or you're not safe. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> literally. You know what's crazy is that I'm pretty sure that like, I mean, yeah, I know there's still institution and organizations out there pushing a lot of weight, but it's very far and few, I feel, of people that are hitting this kind of pinnacle, like Osa said, even at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it's just crazy yeah. to think, like, it's not just everybody that can get that type of process. And on top of that, back then, you got to think quality was quality was a one like it's not now where like all these people are cutting cutting all this shit up with all this no, nasty it was mumbo jumbo fentanyl and bullshit like it was pure as shit so imagine the quality of this shit the amount you're pushing to hit 80 million a month every 30 days people <laughs> every 30 and, days oh my god and not only that but like like you know what I'm saying? I, I'm sure there's people who are, are touching that type of money and stuff, but we've seen it. We've seen, like, okay, let's say weed, for example, the way how so many non-people of color are making money off of it now because you kind of legalize it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, maybe those people are touching that type of, uh, a certain amount of money close to that or closer to that. But this was a woman in the 70s right in the 70s 70s 80s 70s 80s, 70s, 80s mm woman -hmm. of color like making this type of money no that's, organization that's, no dispensary no. none of this gentrified bullshit that a lot of Her. people are making like you're no talking about too. this tax yes like from the gutter by herself yeah no a lot of you know oh jeff benzo shit <laughs> no, and like a lot of a lot of like drug dealer, like drug dealing, 
in Mexico, at least, like from what I've, you know, like searched her before or whatever, it's like family. So you have different families that have doing different deals at different times. So, you know, money's coming in all the time and stuff. But like, this is one little lady, like, that's who's making yeah, that's why, fucking money. That's wild. Yeah, that's why her reputation preceded her everywhere she went at this time. Um, and to this day, she is. She has the reputation that she has. Exactly. So um, prior to the 70s, Miami was a retiree town, a snowbird, a snowbird's paradise. But by the mid and late 1970s, Miami had become the cocaine capital of the United States, feeding 95% of all the cocaine that came into the United States through the Miami ports. Um, The economy and the infrastructure boomed all thanks to drug money. Banks were being built left and right to try to keep up with the money influx. Dealerships were selling out of cars before they even got off of the transport. Condos and high rises. Some of the very same ones that are still standing down in Miami today went up exponentially. Crazy. And although I have been focused on Griselda and the Colombians, of course, uh, this is my telling of the story. Um, I must note, though, that as the 70s progressed and the 80s rolled around, Cuban drug lords do enter the picture. So keep that in mind because we'll get to that. Okay. Um, okay. I also mentioned in the last episode that Griselda was going back and forth between Miami and Colombia. And just as fast as she was selling drugs, she was collecting debt. And she was not paying that debt. So this is how we got to the ending of the first episode, the the Dayland Mass the Dayland Mall Massacre of 1979, which uh it all happened because Griselda had a standing debt with the Colombian drug kingpin Herman Jimenez Poneso. She got word that Paneso and a Miami crime boss, alias Ramirez, were beefing because of a rob of a home robbery that had occurred. So Paneso and Ramirez both worked with Griselda, but in the end, Griselda pulled one of her notorious and brutalist moves and sided with Ramirez in the feud and send her man to get rid of Panesso so that she wouldn't have to pay her debt. And that's why when we closed off the last episode, they run up, ran up on them at the liquor store because she sided with the other guy. Makes um, sense. You couldn't even get liquor in peace? Nope. Ooh. So... Um, I know, like, I, I've, we closed off last episode with this incident, but I'm going to kind of go over just a little bit again with more detail because this was kind of like the pinnacle pivot point of what got the Cocaine Cowboys Wars kind of started. Uh, so this is where you enter July 11th, 1979. Panesso and his bodyguard, Juan Carlos Hernandez, pulled up to the liquor store at the Dayland Mall and went inside. They were unaware that a white man, uh, wait, lost my line right there. Oh, they were unaware that a white van that later was reported to be lined with reinforced steel loaded with a full arsenal and equipped with pop-out windows 
had pulled up into the parking lot just a few minutes before and were waiting for them. These were Griselda's men. One was her brother-in-law, Miguel Sepulveda, alias Paco, and Jorge Ayala Rivera, alias Rivi, whom Paco had brought in to help him do the job. Quickly and swiftly, they followed Paneso and Hernandez inside the liquor store and immediately shot Paneso four times in the head and the face. What? His face, he immediately falls to the ground and is obviously dead. And then his face is later described to look like Swiss cheese. Wow. Oh, I literally oh gagged God. the first time I read that. Um, Hernandez and one of the store employees make a run for the door, but Paco and Brevi empty a Mac 30 on their back. Then as Paco and Brevi walk outside of the liquor store uh, to get back to their van, they just start shooting out into the parking lot at anything and anyone as they attempted to, fl to flee. They ended up leaving the van behind in the parking lot, and after police find it and see the inside, they realized truly the severity of what became known as the Cocaine Cowboy Wars. Well, um, this is interesting. Yeah, so this is where we left off, and there's a paragraph that when I read it when I was doing my research, I literally could not have said it any better. Uh, so I'm going to read that. So it's a paragraph that was written by Scott Bernstein in a July 14, 2019 article that was published on GangsterReporter.com. And it was titled, The Hit That Started It All, 79 Daylon Mall Massacre Had South Florida Drug Scene Moving in a Scary Direction. So he wrote, historians trace the birth of the entire crazy cocaine cowboys era in South Florida to a single event. The headline grabbing Dayton Mole Massacre of July 11, 1979. He goes on to say, The audacious gangland hit foreshadowed a coming decade marked by further bull acts of violence, droves of flashy Colombian and Cuban drug lords landing on the shores of Miami and swashbuckling their way to tremendous levels of wealth and power riding the wave of the great American coke boom of the 1980s and the transformation of the area from a dusty, quiet retirement community to a polished, trendy, pastel-painted paradise famous for hedonism, celebrity vacationers, and life in the fat lane. End quote. Well, damn. So, that's very interesting to see how they got uh, tokened the cocaine cowboys. Yeah. Very interesting. And as I go on to describe what the next couple of years was like, it it literally makes sense. It was like the wild, wild west out here. So that it's where that moniker kind of comes from. And so indeed the bold acts of violence followed. Bodies upon bodies started to line up the streets of Miami. Hits were being carried out daily. Colombians were being killed in their homes at the hand of Cuban drug bosses in West Miami. Drug dealers are getting gunned down motorcycle style in front of the Miami International Airport. Which, by the way, this is a style of killing that is credited to Griselda and, almost, and also became known as the preferred style of killing for the Medellin cartel. 
So you see in a lot of like these drug shows where like the guy in the motorcycle always runs up on whoever and shoots them and then takes off running. If you guys remember the case I did for the soccer player yes. in Colombia, yeah. this is how he was killed. Mm -hmm. They pulled up in a motorcycle, shot him, and it was they were gone. Oh, but mira um, yeah. This was all her yeah. style. <laughs> yep. Interesting. Um, a lot of history in this case. I'm here for it. Yeah. Mucho que ver, mucho oh, que ver. It's so much better. But she says there's more. A drug runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, that's more. A... Yeah, right here. Like, oh my God, I don't know. This is the part where I was like, this just is so crazy. Like, the connections that, like, you don't realize all of this had, all of this being drug back in the... 70s 80s to like a lot of the things that we know a lot of the people nowadays uh yeah so drug run a a drug runner turned atf informant was chainsawed to death in a south florida motel now check this out the informant that not was chainsawed sorry <laughs> no 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 watch the informant that was chainsawed was his death was reportedly credited to a kingpin kingpin by the name of Mario Turbo. Mario's Turbo. Yeah. Mario's Mario's front man was a Cuban named Orlando Sicilia. I found a washingtonpost.com article from 2015 written by Manuel Roy Francia and Scott Hingham that reported that Orlando Sicilia, who was the front man for the kingpin, is Marco Rubio's brother-in-law. Oh, say so like, oh, like, like Marco Rubio? Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> pues mira pa' allá. O sea, que Rubio tiene conexiones. Oh. Yes. And this is the part where I put in, like, the really big semi-comes because I was like, I don't know if I'm trying to make people think I'm getting political with this shit, but it's just the connection with the connections. You know? Mama, like, yes, but the razzle-dazzle. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, we don't know much. This is just, you know, this yeah. is facts. Either way, it's not it's like you out here. It literally right, right. is facts and history. So, at the time that Educate all of this us. shit... Let us know. Yeah, at the time that all of this shit was going down in Miami, Rubio was in his was in high school and his family was close-knit with Cecilia. The night of Rubio's 2010 Senate victory, on stage stood an older grand man behind Rubio, and it was Orlando Cecilia. Yeah. Oh, nah, this just gets juicier and juicier. All the links and connections here. Okay. And Rubio talks about, like, talks about Cecilia and, like, what these times were like for his family in his 2012 memoir, uh, which the WashingtonPost.com article goes on to say that initially, uh, when the article was published, Rubio declined to answer written questions about whether Orlando Cecilia ever provided financial support to him or his family 
or if he took any steps to help secure the early release of his brother-in-law from federal prison. Harris, who is Rubio's spokesman, sent an email after the story was published saying that Rubio did not help Cecilia win early release. Harris did not address the financial support question. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically trying to wipe his hands clean of all this. Yeah, he says that like he was so like a lot of excuses that have come from him and his people in his side of it all that he was too young to remember this, but he writes all about it in his memoir. Uh, he he the Orlando it's to this day his brother-in-law his married to his sister they have children he's literally in a family Go ahead. so anyway the violence is really just getting started in Miami um, after that a kingpin was murdered inside the Pan American Mall as well as 11 of his crew his crew members uh, the summer of 1981 Later that same year, Time Magazine's November 23rd issue hit the stands and the cover showed a picture of the state of Florida with the top, with the top half of it in the color green and the lower half of it in the color red and the headline read, Paradise Lost? Question mark. There was also a little, a little sad disgruntled son and the words South Florida were with pictures of narcos, dead bodies, police standoffs, money, pretty much images of everything that was going wrong in South Florida. On the cover of Time Magazine. And what supposedly supposedly 10 years before that, I couldn't find a cover on like the Time website because some of them weren't like digitally uploaded for whatever reason. But apparently 10 years before this one Time Magazine cover, another Time Magazine cover came and it was talking about how great Miami was and how good the Sunshine State was. And then boom, 1981, it was like the complete opposite because fucking drugs had just fucked up the whole shit. Taken over. Yeah. It's always Florida, man. <clears throat> always Florida. <clears throat> Taken over. So... Now we are in early February of 1982. This is when the one incident that put sour taste in the mouth of a lot of people that dealt with Griselda. So apparently Griselda's son came by the house of Jesus Castro, alias Chucho, um, on one night and there was an altercation of some sort and if i remember correctly i couldn't find the article when i had read it because i didn't write it down as soon as i read it but um griselda's son and chucho are having this altercation and then chucho talks to him pretty much in a i don't give a fuck about the fact that your mom is griselda kind of way because you know she expected everyone to treat her and her kids like i'm at the top of this mark of this fucking whole thing and you treated me with sad respect so when his Castro talked to her son any kind of way and ran back to Griselda and told him what had happened she was not fucking having him she felt that her son was disrespected and ridiculed and so she immediately put a hit out on Jose Castro on Jesus Castro 
Oh boy. Immediately, because she didn't give a fuck. She was ruthless. Uh, clearly, we know she was. And one thing about it, she like did not any mother obviously not not play about don't does not play about their kids. But with her, it was like she had the power to really be like, I literally would just shoot you because you looked at my son just like the wrong way because she could do that. So, of course, when this happened, she put a hit out on Chucho and hold on, I lost my place. Oh, so who better to carry out this hit than Rivi, who became to be her favorite hit boy? They go out looking for Chucho, and it takes a couple of days when they end up catching up with him as he's driving down Southwest 168th Street in South Dade. The van that Vrivi is in pulls up right next to Chucho's car, which somebody else is driving it because Chucho is the gunman. I mean, Vrivi is the gunman right at the side of the door. So Vrivi starts shooting at Chucho and continues to shoot him it's and he misses him he he's literally just shooting out of him and continues to miss and now they're in a full-blown shootout in the middle of traffic but really continue casually has an order and yeah like it really was not the end the fact that he had a silencer on the gun it was more like we're just is the casual thing here because no one even realizes what's happening yet um so Rivi continues to shoot, and this time one of his shots goes through the trunk, and he believes that he had hit Chucho this one time, but he ends up getting away after turning on US one. Come to find out that when Rivi shot through the trunk, he did not hit Chucho, but instead. He ended up hitting his two-year-old son that was in the back of the car, oh, little Johnny Castro. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you see, this is why your children's just don't need to be where they don't belong. Well, he didn't know that obviously they were gonna come to right, him, but this car. is why. Oh, oh! I thought. Sorry, I misunderstood that. I thought they were meeting up. My bad. My bad. Sorry, no, no, sorry. No. I misunderstood. No, 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 girl, you missed the whole thing. They pull up next to him on Third Street mm -hmm. and were shooting at him out the window, and but so they don't, they don't hit Chucho. They end up killing his two-year-old son, and that night, uh, Chucho wash he washes up his son's body, puts him in ice inside his home and just kind of sits with him all night because he doesn't even know what the fuck to do um you know he's this wanted drug person but now his son just ended up caught in, like the fucking middle of it all, all right. so the next morning he wraps him up with sheets and leaves him outside of a miami mosque with roses next to him and his passport with his hands crossed on top of his chest so that people would know who he was and could wow. possibly, you know, take send him back home or give him a little more proper burial. Oh my God. I like, <laughs> I, have, I have no reaction to that. I'm completely just, 
I couldn't yeah. imagine you really not being able to do much because you're a wanted person. Yeah. Yeah. And on the Cocaine Cowboys documentary, like they show a picture of little Johnny Castro. I don't even know if I'm going to post that as part of the pictures of the case file because I couldn't even bear to see that. Um, yeah, I know. Sometimes certain pictures and certain things you just can't see. So this, the fact that little Johnny Castro was killed in the middle of this all did not sit well with a lot of the drug lords, king things, dealers, carteles, any pistoleros or anyone in the U.S. or in Miami that had dealings with Griselda. You know, children were off limits. And in the 2006 documentary, Cocaine Cowboys, Rivi tells how guilty he felt even to that day of the interview, I'm sure till forever, uh, about the fact that he killed little Johnny Castro without knowing that he was in the car. He said that he never saw him in the backseat. Had he seen him, he would have never shot up the car. He also says in his interview that once he went back and told Griselda what, that he wasn't successful in killing Chucho, but did end up killing his two-year-old son, Griselda reportedly was happy about this. She expressed glee because it would upset the father and also because that's what he had coming. Oh, no, now she's crazy. I mean, we knew that. But... <laughs> yeah, she was. Right. She, she was, She was. She was. She fucking was. Mm-mm-mm. That ain't right. That so ain't right. Th that was February 1982. So another case that stands out a lot in the killing is the killing of Alfredo and Grisel Lorenzo inside of their South Miami home in May of 1982. The murders that happened. Oh, wait, I read it wrong. These were murders that happened with their three children inside the home at the time they were killed. This hit was also carried out by Rivi and Miguelito Pe Perez. And even he was an even more ruthless pistolero in Griselda's crew. They were ordered to kill the couple because they owed Griselda money for some drugs that she had fronted to him. Oh, yeah. She too. kept. Yeah. But what I was reading, because so I was like, why would, you know, she being who she is, like, front anyone anything but um it was just kind of like a favor that they kind of i mean people fronted her stuff and she didn't want to pay to them she would just kill them but not everyone could right yeah but, but my thing is she money, she that's yeah, gonna say what? she's the one not owing she's she's the one not paying other people her debt yeah. but she out here killing people for what they yeah. owe her <laughs> yeah it was either you owe me money and i'm gonna kill you and i owe you money i don't want to pay i'm gonna kill you like it was i'm gonna kill you or i'm gonna kill you because one or the other so she was persistent that she, on trying to collect this debt and apparently she had been giving them them because they were dealing the drugs together uh she had given them 
ultimatums prior to ordering a hit on them, but she it was enough. And so, um, so in a 2012 article that was published by CVS for the Dan West Miami Police Chief Nelson Andrew told CVS the instructions to Ayala, which was really, were were to go there and get my money. If you can't get my money, then you kill them and you kill everyone. According to Andrew, the crime scene photos show Alfredo tied up with the phone cord and belts, killed in his children's room. Grisel was also tied up in an office and she was shot nine times. Wow. And I believe I read that she got shot more times because she kept trying to like get away and try to find her kids. So after Alfredo and Grisel were killed, really thought they were done. Like we came, we killed them and we're out. But Perez, he noticed that Perez was stuck on trying to kill the kids. After all, those were Griselda's orders, kill everyone. Right. But Rivi says that he told Perez that there were not going to be any kids killed today and that he would be the one to take responsibility for whatever problems came from Griselda's side because the kids weren't killed. So he managed to convince Perez to just get the fuck out of the house and leave the kids be, which they were like in the room next door when all of this happened. Wow. So this entire killing like shook the community. Coming right off from little Johnny Castro's to now this, you know, to to carry out such a violent crime with the three kids in the next room, it it just it fucking shook everyone and even more so more people who griselda dealt with that were like eh, she's kind of fucking going crazy now you know that's crazy man that's insane she really was ruthless as fuck she did not give zero fucks Mm-mm. she was she said, i'm about my kids. money literally i'm about my money and my cocaine, and if it ain't and my kids, and if it ain't one of them three, fuck everything else. Kill everything else. Shoot everything right. else. So, more bodies just continued, and I could sit here and literally talk about every fucking thing that was, but those two were important to go into depth about, because later you'll see why. Um, so, more bodies continued to turn up all over Miami and South Florida, even Griselda's own brother-in-law, Diego Sepulveda, who was the main shooter in the 1979 Dateline Mall massacre, he's found shot dead in a motel towards the end of 1982. The cocaine cowboy wars continued on well into the end of the 1980s. But like I said, it's too many occasions to discuss. So we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit now to what well, we're going to backtrack, but continue on to 1983, um, which is when Griselda and her then current husband, Dario Sepulveda, they had been disagreeing over a couple of things here and there, and their relationship was just like, 
a little rocky. Um, and then and then she ends up finding out that he had been running the streets with some dancers, and she was like, Mm-mm. "Hell the fuck no! You're not about to have me looking like a dumbass, you know? Like you're not about to run the streets with these girls right. when I am me, and who do you think you are?" All right. So they like blow up and get into this really big argument at their home in Davy. And Dario says that, okay, no, I'm getting the fuck up out of here. I'm going to Colombia and I'm taking Michael with me. And Griselda's like, hell the fuck not. You're not taking him to Colombia. Like Griselda loved all of her kids. All of them. All four of them. But when it came to Michael, like easily you can say it was her favorite child. It was her golden child. It was her baby, like everything. She literally, that was her baby. And she did not play about him. Because if you remember, his name is Michael Corleone from The Godfather, which she was so right. fucking obsessed with. And then, right. you know. So she tells him, you better not try anything and you better not try to pull no funny shit and take him to Colombia because I'm gonna do the necessary to get my son. That he was like, watch me. And he goes to Colombia and takes their son with him. Oh my God. Oh shit. So she can we guess, can we guess what Griselda does? Kill him. She flies to Colombia and kills him. Oh, she doesn't even need a fly to Colombia. She does end up killing him. So she gets her connects in Colombia, which happened to be La Policia Nacional. Those are her people. Oh, of course. Yeah. So she tells them, she runs the play down by them, tells them the situation, and they end up uh, stopping Dario's car in traffic. They just, they stop him. Um, they want to get out. And once he gets out, they arrest him, like put handcuffs on him, not not to arrest him, to detain him, because they really are just trying to get some back. And Dario makes a run for his life, and he just takes off running, and boom, 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 the police fucking shoots him dead in the middle of the street. What the hell? Wow. Just, just there. She and said, "Don't take crazy. my son." <laughs> she said, "I'm gonna do the necessary," and that was the nah, necessary. She Right? You played with me, you thought you thought I was playing games, and so boom. She can learn from all her other husbands. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are the third. Like, the last two aren't even here to say hello to you because she don't And you know them. why. <laughs> and why would you, you even try said, it? You know, like you literally said what you literally asked to be killed. Like you asked. Uh, so yeah, he's killed in the middle of the street, and sadly, it's reported that while all of that happened, Michael was in the car and witnessed the whole thing. He's then returned to Griselda in Miami. Yeah, that's not gonna leave a kid uh, with trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So, now, by 1984, Griselda had pissed off a lot of people. Several of her rivals had made several attempts 
to kill her. She then realizes that the Miami streets got real hot for her. And she fucking says, peace, I'm out of here. It's been fun. And she make, she flees to good old California. Interesting. And then I have in my notes, <laughs> I literally put Q in Snoop Dogg or the Red Hot Chili Peppers, whoever floats your boat. I mean, we're there. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever vibe you like. You know, we can we can crip walk real quick or we can Cali- mm. go rest easily in California. <laughs> I'm done. I do love me some Red Hot Chili Peppers, though. I used to work at Jimmy John's with this girl who was obsessed with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Shout out to Mia. She was such a... She was, she was, the, she was the coolest girl ever, though. She was so cool. <laughs> So, Griselda, she flees California, and that is where we're going to end today. Because mm, spicy. what all left is to come, it's going to be wrap-ups, and I'm so excited for that, but this is a good part to stop. Yeah, that's, I can't that wait to finish stop. so that I could watch Cocaine Cowboys, because I'm ready to know all these details. Oh my god, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, oh, it's funny. good. That was the good like one. um, what's the word I'm looking for? The I guess I could use conclusion. <laughs> the conclusion of the song. Some of it be is gonna catch some of off guard, but it's some good stuff. We ready, but we ready. Facts, we ready for right. true crime. That's what we here for. Yes, all the facts. Seriously, so. That's what we're going to leave off today. She took a, she ran, she made a run for it and it's not reciting in California. And next week we're going to come back and I'm going to tell you about her brief time in California and her, yeah. Oh my God. When I went to California, I literally was walking down the street by myself, playing the song in the background. (laughs) No, I was playing the California song, and it was like such an epic like moment to like be in California and play that song and just like feel the fucking I'm in California moment. It was just a very nice, almost out of body moment to have that moment. I have yet to go. Cause that yeah it was it was it was nice it was the first time I ever went anywhere past oh my god the furthest west I had gone before that was fucking Louisiana New Orleans was the further west I had ever went and then um all the fuck way down in California it was just so surreal it was so awesome nice. I haven't really made it that much California I know where so, are you yeah, supposed to go I, I'm, yeah I just that never happened because my friend wants to be busy. So, all right, I well, go well, soon. we'll wrap it up. We'll see yeah, you guys we'll next time in up. California. Yes. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to La Chica Still Crime. We hope you join us next time for another episode full of crime y chisme. Give us a follow on all our socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, which we will list in the description of the episode. 
Please also rate our show and leave us a review as this helps bring awareness to our podcast. We appreciate it. Gracias. Thank you.